Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners from around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in California, and I'm joined with my co-host Liz Feldstern in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you today? Hi, Alan. Doing very well here in Jerusalem today. And yourself? Uh, I'm great. You know, I'm here in uh, Rancho Mirage, California. Uh, the sun is always shining, except for at night when the stars are shining. And the weather is just gorgeous today. So I'm doing great. You know, last week we talked about um, Ukraine and the um, UN's happiness index. As I look at the news this week, there's a lot of attention, from my perspective, always on Israel, but lots of attention taking place on Israel and in Israel. Um, maybe it's because Israel is such a happy place. People want to go there and uh, solve problems. What are you seeing from your side of, of happiness uh, in Israel? Um, yes, I don't know if everybody is uh, reading those results and deciding they need to come and get a dose of happiness. Going to Rancho Mirage and being in the sunshine seems to me like another avenue to boost one's happiness factor, but I guess it takes all kinds. I am, um, but uh, what I think you're alluding to is the uh, Negev Summit, which is scheduled to take place uh, here in Israel with leaders from uh, four different Arab countries coming. And I don't know if you're saying that you think the real reason for their visit is because they're looking to increase their own happiness by coming here. I believe that's my direction here, that I look towards Israel for the seed of happiness and the fact that they're coming to the Negev, which I think is one of the more beautiful parts of Israel, all parts of Israel are beautiful, but they're gathering in Stabokar, which is the resting place for the first uh, prime minister of Israel, David Ben-Gurion. Um, and I think he was always a happy guy. I don't know. Most that... photos do not look super happy of him, but maybe those who knew him better uh, thought of him as a happy guy. Well, and... it, when, I, when I, I don't mean to cut you off, but when I walk the promenade in uh, Tel Aviv along the beach, uh, there's a sculpture of Ben-Gurion standing on his head. That always makes me laugh. So that was my, <laughs> my thought about that, is that the happiness factor that exists where Israel is really leading the world in happiness. Uh, and people are fleet, are now flocking to Israel to experience the summer joys of Israel. But diplomacy is very important. And you and I have talked about this before, that people have recently been looking to Israel as a, as a, as a conversation or as a, a partner in solving problems. Uh, Recently, President Herzog was in Turkey, rebuilding relationships between Turkey and Israel that have been challenged over the years. We have the issues in Ukraine, and we know that Israel has been a, a, a possible place for convening Putin and Zelensky for discussions, although that doesn't seem to be panning out much. And now, as you said, there are four Arab countries gathering in Israel to talk about issues pertaining to the Middle East. Um, yeah, so so all of those things are happening. Um, and it's interesting because 
my sense is that countries all over the world are carrying on various forms of diplomacy all the time, right? Most nations have some number of uh, diplomatic figures who are traveling and trying to grow relations and business opportunities and all sorts of things. But we do seem to hear much more about Israel's efforts on those fronts in the media. And this is something that you and I have talked about in general. You know, is Israel sort of disproportionately prominent in various types of news and media? Uh, And if so, why is that? Well, I think that we've talked about the fact that there are usually more journalists in Israel than any other major uh, major capital than probably Washington, D.C., Moscow, London, etc. So there is a lot of attention in Israel from a perspective of the media. And so those stories get on the news much greater than, say, countries smaller than, maybe even larger than Israel, but smaller in interest. And I go back to the fact that Israel is the, the home of three, you know, faiths, there's always a lot of attention on Israel. And you and I get some joy when we see positive things about Israel. And we're challenged by things that are not so positive about Israel that we see in the media. I think almost every day there's a story about Israel in almost every newspaper in the world. And why is that? And is it is it because of the fact that it's the seat of, of three or the birthplace of three major religions? Or is it really because Israel is a thriving country doing things that other places are not able to do? And I imagine that as with many things, the answer is actually, you know, a little of column A and a little of column B, right? The fact that Israel is the birthplace of the world's three major monotheistic religions certainly doesn't hurt. The fact that there have been a lot of you know, wars in Israel and and things of that nature to report about um, certainly doesn't hurt, right? Makes for, for news fodder. And the fact that Israel has become in a lot of ways a very polarizing issue. I think any news headline with the word Israel in it is going to create more interest than a lot of other possible topics, countries, places in the world that people don't have as strong views about. Um, thinking back to the this idea of whether uh, foreign governments or people are wanting to come and visit Israel because they hope to be happy here because of how we have scored on the, the UN Happiness Index, I think that there may also be a factor about Israel's ability to keep people happy when they're here and be a good host. And I actually heard an interview this morning with Uh, A gentleman from one of the main hotels, I guess, where some of these foreign diplomats are staying when they come for this Negev summit. And he sort of mentioned casually something about um, having to meet the various specific requests that they had gotten from these different guests. And the person who was interviewing him, like, 
leaped on that and would not let it go. She wanted to know, you know, well, what are these requests? What do you mean different kinds of requests? And I think he realized that maybe he had said something that he didn't really want to go down that road. And so he said something about, well, you know, not to serve alcohol. And she said, yeah, 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 that we know. No, 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 that's not what you meant. Like, what are these special requests? And then he started to say something about a certain kind of sheets. And I was like, I don't know what that is about. And, and, but he hinted that there were these other requests that they were, you know, he couldn't get into details about what the requests were, but they were definitely going to be able to meet them. So I don't know if it's certain foods or what, um, but whatever it was, this guy was certain, you know, that he was going to meet whatever the needs were of all of these guests. And he was very proud of the fact that while he could not disclose what these specific <laughs> requests were, he was definitely going to meet them. But well, we know that there are hotels in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv that could meet pretty much any diplomatic or superstar's needs. Uh, but being in the heart of the Negev, I'm not quite sure if there's a five-star hotel down the street from Stabilker that can accommodate the teams of people that come for these events. So do you know where people are staying for this, this summit? I'm sure it can be looked up. I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, there are some, first of all, there are five-star hotels like all around the the Dead Sea area, which is not too far. And I think it meets Ramon also has like a very fancy hotel these days. But I don't, there's also a brand new one that was built in the desert. I actually, I wonder if it's even that one. But um, yeah, Israel sort of miraculously it's like a desert mirage. We just have things pop up with these gorgeous, all accommodating hotels, apparently when they're needed. Well, it is an oasis in the desert. <laughs> I, I think that Liz, we talk about identity in our theme. And for me, I'm kind of fixating on the focal point of Israel's identity and all these new interests or old interests that are just becoming more relevant today, why Israel is so popular um, and I think that, you know, with the Abram Accords a couple of years ago, Israel is really moving forward in a way that it hasn't been able to in the past. Lots of attention, lots of diplomatic work, economic work, and now just the current conflicts that have taken place. I'm going to shift just a little bit because I read in the paper that the Jerusalem Marathon took place this, this on Thursday. And the winner of the women's uh, category was a, a runner from the Ukraine. Is that playing out in Israel at all? Um, it definitely made the news. I mean, you know, Israelis are following, of course, events in Ukraine and very much aware of the, uh, I don't know what the number is even up to right now. Is it 20,000? Um, you know, people who have made their way into Israel, um, and right, not all intending to stay. Some it's a temporary stop, and we know that, and and that's fine. Um, but um, yes, I think Israel's Israelis are very much aware of you know what's going on, and proud of the fact that we are able to be a place of refuge for for those that need it. And to have someone come here, having fled Ukraine, and then be able to to run in the Jerusalem Marathon and win is sort of a feel-good story all around. It was definitely something Israelis were aware of and were, were talking about and happy to see. Right. I think a, 
the comment feel good is an appropriate one. Um, and we're I, used to it not being an Israeli that wins. Like <laughs> it's, it usually isn't. So so we're okay with that. <laughs> no, but I, I did read that she had left Ukraine, I think prior to the invasion by, by Russia to come to Israel to train. So she had, um, you know, an opportunity, but the fact that she's in Israel, she saw the destruction of her country. And I'm not sure if that inspired or motivated her to run harder or faster, but I think it was a really good feel good story that here in the Jerusalem marathon, uh, a Ukrainian runner was able to be the, the winner. I just think it's a great story. Are there any other great stories that you're hearing on the ground in Israel that you want to share? Um, I would say that, um, you know, just sort of small stories here and there related to how refugees from Ukraine are being received. I am as as much as the system is trying to accommodate people and and this we definitely talked about before the idea of Israel sort of wanting to do better um, with each wave of immigrants than it did with the preceding one. Um, despite all of those efforts and goodwill is always going to be, you know, gaps in the system. And the public is really stepping up in a way that is very lovely. Um, you know, there are people who have come and are still sort of in a waiting period before they officially have health care coverage. And there are, you know, doctors who've made themselves available to, you know, to people to see them, even though they don't technically have any coverage yet. And there have been a lot of um, what in Israel is being called a pop-up store which it's not actually a store. I mean, it looks like a store, I guess. And it has all sorts of clothing and hygiene products and, and toys and things. Um, but uh, people who are, are here from Ukraine can just come in and take whatever they need. You don't need to purchase anything, but it's set up like a store. So they have the opportunity to choose. Um, and so that, that concept in keeping these places stocked is also something that the public is, you know, doing. I mean, it's just regular people, right? Making these donations and wanting to know that there, that there is an answer that people aren't going without. Um, so a lot of those kind of stories around right now. As we're seeing around the world, just the numbers of people who are fleeing the Ukraine and ending up in places that most most countries are receiving them warmly. Uh, the United States has agreed to accept 100,000 refugees over the next several weeks and months and year. Uh, it be interesting to see how that pans out. But also financial resources are continuing to pour into relief efforts in the Ukraine, also into Israel and other places. So there's still a, a lot of interest in helping people that I hope, um, as we see it growing, the need that we continue to be supportive and support the people of Ukraine and that this situation gets resolved uh, as soon as possible. And I, I hope that Israel has a, a role in, in solving this for the Ukrainians and the Russians. On a side note, you know, Israel is filled with people from around the world. Is there tension with those from Russia, with those from the Ukraine? Um, 
as a melting pot of Israel? Are you seeing any tension or more support or less support from the two communities? I would not say that we're seeing tension at this point. I mean, look, the, um, I guess, public opinion in Russia is an entirely different matter, but it sort of seems like everyone outside of Russia, whether they're themselves of Russian extraction or Ukrainian or anything else, um, there seems to be a lot of support for Ukraine and people absolutely understanding that Ukraine is the, you know, the victim in this unfortunate tragedy and that Russia is being a, the aggressor. Um, and we know that the only people who don't understand that are people who are getting a very skewed media view, right, of why of what Russia is doing and why. Um, but no, I would not say that there are tensions in Israel. I think absolutely people would like to see this crisis come to an end and want to do everything that they can to to support people of Ukraine until that happens. And it will need to happen also thereafter. I mean, you mentioned needs before, but I think it's, you know, it would be impossible for us to uh, to overstate how tremendous the needs are. We're looking at such an enormous number of people fleeing, right? The, the number of people that have fled from Ukraine in the past month, and I'm not talking about Jews, I'm talking about everyone, um, is, you know, well over 3 million people. And just to put that sort of into context, right, in the five years of the civil war in Syria, I I think something like 6.7 million people left Syria over five years. And now at one month, we're at nearly half that. So it's it's just a, a crisis of a scale that would would be impossible to, to over-exaggerate. Very, very good point. Uh, the other piece of that is the level of destruction of the cities in, in, in Ukraine. And I saw pictures the other day of the coastal city of Maripol, and it's just completely devastated. So the rebuilding of it and bringing people back um, it's going to take a long time to to accomplish. And cities like Mariupol are not only destroyed, but are also now. I mean, they're they're Russian occupied. They're not not even part of Ukraine right now. So, what rebuilding will look like, and when it can happen, and you know, it's totally in question, especially in those you know far eastern cities that have in fact been been occupied. Let's end on a more positive note. Anything that you can add that's a positive note? <laughs> Back to the happiness index. We're still at number nine. There um, you go. That's a good way. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think the positive thing is one, we've got diplomacy taking place in Israel. Um, there's still the excitement about number nine on the happiness index, although I still don't know how Israel has achieved that. Um, I looked at the data and still puzzling, but it's it's there. Um, and, you know, spring is in the air for the people of, of Israel. Passover is around the corner. Uh, so a lot of spring. Yeah, that's not a happy note for some of us. It's a little too close for comfort, but thanks. 
<laughs> but lots of things to look forward to. Um, anything you want to end on today? I am just wishing everyone a very good week. And uh, we hope that the all of the participants in this Negev Summit come with, a, with open minds and a willingness to talk. And as Israel, you know, we're, we're thrilled that we can be the seat of this kind of open dialogue. And, you know, in many ways, to be able to sit down and have dialogue with our neighbors is what Israel has always wanted. So, um, so we're thrilled that, that it's able to happen. That is a great way to end. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This has been Israel Rebound. Thank you very much.